Hey, Alex here. Before we jump into today's recording, I wanted to remind you that all of the information in this recording is for informational and educational purposes only. The information shared should not be construed as investment or tax advice. Please consult a competent financial or tax professional to discuss your situation before using any of the strategies or topics that we discuss here. Thanks for listening. One other quick thing before we get started today. If you're thinking about starting a business or if you already have one, I wanted to tell you about the accounting software that we use for our clients, Zero. That's X-E-R-O, and you can find them at www.zero.com. I have used other accounting platforms in the past for clients, but Zero bar none is the best accounting platform out there. I have had clients come to me after bringing them to Zero. And they have told me that they felt empowered to use the platform after seeing their simple user interface. Zero's slogan is beautiful business, which represents Zero's thriving business technology platform and global community. Beautiful business highlights the power of Zero's powerful accounting platform and community supporting small businesses to help them work past the chaos, uncertainty, and stress to reclaim valuable time and thrive. Over the last five years, I have used Zero exclusively with our clients, and I have met some amazing people at that company. People are always friendly and are always ready to help when it's needed. Whether you're just getting started or are a thriving company, Zero has the tools you need to help keep your accounting records straight, reduce time each month associated with doing the backend bookkeeping, and helps you track KPIs with their powerful reporting tools. Check them out at Zero.com. That's X-E-R-O. Stephen, I'm glad that you are here with us um, to kind of roll back a little bit. I think we have probably talked on and off for the past uh, five, six years, maybe is before I met Alex. Yeah, I think it was it was before I left my job. Um, way yes. back in 2017. You're working for Heinz, making, y- yes. helping make uh, little packets of ketchup. Little, yeah, doing the ketchup packets. Is that why <laughs> that they job. changed the packets of ketchup as soon as Declan left? Because like ever <laughs> since then, the packets just had never been the same. Yes, it was all me. I was the one filling the packets, sealing them up, you know, <laughs> one by one. No, but we we had we've we've kept in touch uh, over the years. And um, since we started this podcast, I, I mentioned to Alex, I was like, we need to get Steven on because uh, as you can introduce yourself, but you are someone who works with young entrepreneurs, uh, ambitious people who want to step out into the world as self-employment. Um, so let's, do you want to introduce yourself? What do you do? So the real simple answer is I teach people how to work for themselves. But it's a teeny bit more than that. I want to help people create businesses that are in alignment with their values, their needs, and their abilities. We really think deeply about each of those areas. That is a very different approach than from which many of us have been taught about business or we think mm-hmm. how to go about starting a business. Mm-hmm. So generally, I'm helping people also um, run smaller type businesses. People call them solopreneur businesses, self-employed, single founder, whatever. Um, I'm a big believer in um, kind of building uh, your work around your life instead of the reverse of what we're taught. We always feel like we got to squeeze our life in on the weekends and vacation. And Hey, I love what I do. I like working, but I don't feel like I need to be working like 
you know, 40 plus hour weeks every week or hundred hour weeks, people claim to work, which is totally a little baloney. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's me. That's, that's pretty much the situation I'm in with uh, two kids. I, I balance homeschool and, and business and, and life um, and try to build the business around my life. Um, now, and you have a lot less time than you think, because you know, yes, uh, big, yes. like Declan, like it's like just because you're awake for 16 hours a day does not mean every single one of those hours is equal in terms of your available energy and mental capacity. Mm -hmm. It is not. No. <laughs> you got about three to four hour good hours a day, and like I love that. That is so true because then it helps you really understand like this is all I got. What really needs to move forward today instead of us thinking about this endless to do list and we're. I mean, I love how people brag to me and they tell them they work 10 plus hour days. And to me, I'm like, you lack priorities. Yes. yes. You're not impressing <laughs> me. And your body's well, going to rebel against you eventually. Yeah. One thing that I actually noticed was over time was, and this, it's cool that you, you brought this up, but like, it was one of the very first things I learned about myself was I knew that my core working hours was from about 1030 to about one. Mm. And then from like four to nine in the evening. So like, but like in between those hours, I don't want to do a darn thing. Like even right now, like, like I try not to have a lot of time booked on the calendar between like 11 and four in the afternoon because I'm brain dead. I'm shot. Like I, I need to like either go eat lunch or I need to like go walk outside or you know go do whatever. And that's actually pretty cool that you brought that up right when you, you were starting. Well, it's, like we have to, it's also like we have to ask for permission. Even I can hear yeah. even to myself in your voice. It's almost like, like, all right, we're going to tell people this. Like it's a radical <laughs> concept <laughs> yeah. that I'm deciding how much work is enough for me. And that's, right. it goes back to, you know, we'll talk, talk about how we're going to reinvent education, but managing our <laughs> minds, like we are biologically hardwired to want to seek acceptance from other humans. But once you start bringing awareness to this, you realize that is detrimental to how you really want to live your life. Yeah. 100%. So you, uh, like, I, like we've been talking about, you, you, you work with young entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. I like calling them solopreneurs. That's what I, yeah, I that's consider what I call my, them myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a pretty uh, uh, term people are familiar with. Or even with could now. I throw out my quick definition? Because sometimes yeah, it is a little. I define somebody who is a solopreneur who has an entrepreneurial mindset in terms of turning a lot of their business into habits, processes, and systems mm -hmm. so they can make more money over time and work less, as opposed to somebody who's self-employed who stays trapped in the world of constantly trading their minutes for dollars, and they're feeling like they're never getting ahead. Wow. <laughs> That's really good. I've been I'm thinking about it a while, you. Declan. Yeah. You know I have. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> uh, so... One of the things, I, I think one of the mindsets, um, it, maybe this is just me, but um, one of the mindsets of being a solopreneur is I've leaned on Alex a lot. I've, I mentioned in blog posts where it's like, if, if, if there's a money question, I go straight to him because it's like that. I don't want to think about what money. He does. Taxes, He's an expert and, yeah, it's right. Right. But I, but I have benefited. This world. That's all we are. Yes. <laughs> That's why I'm in Colombia because we have a lot of you know, a lot of coffee beans, beans. And, well, <laughs> coffee beans. We even have refi, you know, you can get kidney beans and everything else down here. So we have plenty of beans to go around. Perfect place for, for, for an accountant <laughs> to count their I mean, beans. Hey. Uh, but uh, uh, so I, I've been going to him for, for any type of money advice, but I have benefited over the past, uh, oh my gosh, almost four years now, self-employment of diving into 
business finance, trying to learn a little bit more, you know, things, things like taxes, things like setting up an S corp, things like um, budgeting, which aren't fun things. They're not, they're not fun. Well, maybe for Alex, but they're not fun things for like someone who me, I'm a writer, I'm a creator. I want to focus on doing those things. You work with young entrepreneurs who want to focus on doing what they love to do, not thinking about can like, I, can I ask you taxes. a question though? Cause this yeah, is go a ahead. great question. Cause a lot of people feel like this and it's such a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they're not fun? If you could dig into that, be like, why wasn't it fun for you? I th- okay. So what's fun for what's not fun for me is when I have to tackle a problem that I don't know enough about or don't feel confident uh, in my abilities to solve that I would rather spend my time f- focusing on something I know I can do because it, it feels comfortable. So, so it is something where it's like you're stepping out of your, your comfort zone. Um, and, and the, yeah, that would not be fun. I just want to know because, like, because sometimes I'm going to make a little pitch for Alex professional here. We should, we should mention that Steve, you have your own podcast, right? So this is nice where it's like, you're on the, uh, you're, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yes, you can't help yourself asking questions. If you're too. interested, you can check it out. Lifeskillsofmatter.com, yes. shameless plug, but we're Go going to make a shout out for, for accountants over here for Alex. Yes. You're going to hire if you eventually in your business, you're going to hire one. You are. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and again, because it's not just somebody to help you uh, look at your cash flow and, you know, get your taxes done. But I view my account as a business advisor. I check in with him once a quarter. Absolutely. And you are, and if you have a calendar, your account, you're just going to start asking questions, educate yourself because you're the one who's going to be looking at your books every single day and starting to understand what you could be doing a little bit differently, not only just to make your business better, but also to make your accountant's life easier too. Mm-hmm. So I think we just need to start. And the cool thing about accounting is like, this is where we get to see the flow of our money. You know what I mean? It's, it is an indication of how well our business is doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of the core one, right? Money. And so I think if we could start finding your own relationship or, or, or new mindset or how to make it, maybe it's never going to be as fun as it is for Alex, but <laughs> how can you come to terms to it in a way so it's not like you don't feel like you're getting a root canal every time you have to talk to your account? Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yes. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of segues into the, my, my, my first question, which is you work with a lot of these solopreneurs, young entrepreneurs who are coming from you know, maybe a creative or technical background who, again, might not have these financial skills or mindsets. What do you find is most lacking when people are kind of entering into the, the self-employment realm? What are these things that people should know so they can have, so they can, first of all, find a good accountant and then have these productive conversations? If I know Alex knows this and I hope you don't, Jacqueline, but it's okay if you don't because <laughs> you're proving my point. Jacqueline, can you tell me how much your household made last year? The number within a few hundred bucks, probably. Maybe, yeah, maybe within a few hundred bucks. Okay. Could can you tell me how much money your household spent last year? Yes, only because I, I use you need a budget, and I, I I am meticulous with that. So yes, that is the number I, I one thing. This is the heart of we are taught to be employees. We know how much mm-hmm. money we've made. But most people have no idea how much money they spent in the last year. That is a huge problem. When you start working for yourself, you're going to start changing your view about money. And not only are you going to know how much money you made every year, but you're going to know how much money you spent. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, when you, when you stay in the realm of employment, as you get promotions, 
as you get raises and your income goes up, what do you think happens to spending for most people? Goes up as well. It's like it's pegged. It goes up mm-hmm. to the same degree. And then people come to me in their late 20s who want to work for themselves. And I go, Stephen, I like my lifestyle. Am I going to have to like pull back on that in order to start a business? I'm going to tell them. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my last business, I made a lot of money, more money than I ever thought I would. It was almost embarrassing. You know, it was just like, I, you know, I'm also a person that's not designed with the mindset that I need to be a millionaire and I need mm-hmm. more money to buy more crap. You know, we could talk about that. <laughs> but it's um, so it's understanding that, that even though my last business, I would still live off of about $50,000 a year, regardless of how much money I was bringing in. And all that extra mm-hmm. money was shoved into investments, into accounts somewhere else. So I would have that because what I realized in my last business, which I'm pre-answering one of your future questions, I believe, but what's enough? Mm-hmm. Like if I know that it's going to, I need, I need about, if I had to never make a dollar again, living off $50,000 a year and I'm 46 now, I need about $2 million mm-hmm. to live. What happens if I get $2 million? Why do I, why am I going to keep killing myself just to keep chasing after more money? Now, I like doing what I do. I, I, when I'm 95, I hope I'm still doing something like this and I can still be <laughs> answering somebody's question about how to feel good about themselves, how to get paid to be themselves, start their business. I'm doing it for the joy of it. So I think that is the number one thing that people have to realize is we need to build a different relationship with our income and how we make our money because it's really yep. scary to get off from one source when you're employed by somebody else and you get laid off like I did. Mm-hmm. And you got to know where is the heck is where's your spending going? Is it in alignment with your values and your goals, or you're just trying to keep up with people, or you're just giving into all the pleasure-seeking parts of your brain? So, you, so you dive mm-hmm. right into the big picture, which is like just Welcome understanding. The the Did you hear yeah. the splash? You need a splash sound effect. Splash. <laughs> yep. I think this is actually interesting because I read something somewhere where when people have when they make more money in their business and it's like the first time they're making over six figures a year or whatever, you know, whatever that, whatever that number is that as income increases, it kind of follows Murphy's law with the 80, 20 principle. Right. So even if like you find a way to live off $5,000 a year, 18 months ago, and now you're making $10,000 or $5,000 a month, excuse me, but now you're making $10,000 a month, you're going to find a way to spend 80, at least 80% of that money just because like you're, like as as you said, Stephen, it's like you're trying to latch onto the pleasure pleasure part of your brain. That's just like Yahoo! Like I can go buy the latest and greatest Yeezys or or the status symbol part our, of our because again we're back <laughs> right. to the biggest I call the, one of the most severe human social diseases none of us are aware of it. We all have is chronically seeking acceptance from other people yeah. to show them I'm doing okay, I'm successful. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Who cares? And let me tell you, that comes with time, but who the heck it does. cares? Yeah, because like when I was 22 years old, like I was like, you know, thinking I had the world at my at my fingertips and I was I was still working nine to five life at the time. I was still trying to figure out how to get out of it. And I was, you know, going out with friends every weekend, going and having fun and all these other types of things and just not caring a whole lot. And I had just graduated with a finance degree. You know, I just like I was working in accounting and finance part of, the, of this massive multinational company at the time. And I was like, yeah, like, this is awesome. This is great, whatever. But then reality starts to sink in a little bit where like you're, you're now making the money and you don't have any savings. You don't have anything going on. And you're like, uh-oh, 
what's going to happen moving forward. So like you start having like, or at least for me, I started having like those thoughts and started kind of becoming financially aware of myself and where I was putting all my money and all these things way back when I was like 22, 23, 24 years old. Were lucky. I yeah. mean, most of the people when I get into their late, that's when it starts popping up. It's like late twenties, mm-hmm. like yeah, 27, 28. It starts happening mm-hmm. where you've been jogging this marathon for a while. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you do not see that finish line coming any closer. And you're like, no. hold on a second. I thought if I played by all these rules, I worked hard. I chased after my promotions. I dressed the way I was supposed to do all these things, but I'm not any happier. I don't feel any mm-hmm. more secure. What gives? And that's what's happened, especially in the last year where the pandemic went on. A lot of people had a lot oh, of yeah. time. I always said the universe sent us all to our rooms to do some thinking. <laughs> We're all coming out and be like, what on earth am I doing? What are we doing here? Right. How much do we really need to work? And, that, and I always remind people just because work, as you know it, it was not always this way. And it's not always going to be this way. We are living yeah. through a very, very specific slice in history that work was like this as we move out of the capitalist and it, industrial it, economy really only started like in the seventies, didn't it? Like with like, kind of like I would really say it's a post-World War II thing. I mean, it really, if you really mm-hmm. want to kind of go, we went, we were the factory, just the, the idea of like pulling like people in America right. prior to 1880, like worked for themselves. The vast majority of the population. Exactly. Like they're all like self-employed entrepreneurial type. Exactly. And, and, and survive within their communities and help each other out. And then that started to shift with the industrial revolution, the factories, were so massive. It would and the educa- cost them higher more, education. Yeah, but it cost them more money to like shut these factories down. So they just kept them running. So they kept making all this crap. And they're like, well, what are we going to do with it? I mean, a 16 year old um, prior to World War I had a handful of possessions. How much do you think a 16 year old in terms of a number of items they have today that they own? A 16 year old. It's more than what I had even in the 90s growing up. I mean, like when you're 16 years old, you had you definitely have a cell phone. Yeah. You probably have it's a car. A, it, it's a couple thousand things. We're you know, talking have... about items of clothes, your books. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. So it's so after World War One, they had to create, invent all these needs that we're now suffering from. These invented <laughs> needs that I need my the latest iPhone and I need this and that and the other thing, and that is what is making us feel like we're never enough. We're not getting ahead, and this is a hopefully a, one of the big things I'm trying to. You just got, we got to stop and you're like, what do you, Alex? What do you, Declan? Stephen here. What the heck do we want? And how mm-hmm. much does that cost? You can calculate it. And that's why I have a, a lifestyle calculator. Another shameless plug coming up. You can go to lifestyles.com slash calculator. And you can actually calculate how much money you need for the, how you want to live your life. So you can break free from the status symbol. Like, oh, I need to make six figures. I need to be a, a millionaire, a billionaire. Maybe you do. But most of you probably are going to realize you need a lot less money than you think. And I love how just I'm kind of curious, like, does that factor in inflation too? Because like the thing that like yeah. me as an accountant, like forward thinking economic type person that I am, I've been screaming at the wall with Declan and some of our closer friends. I'm like, you know, watch out because it's going to get really rough or probably going to get really rough because now you've just printed 60% of all the money supply in a 250 year existence of the United States in 18 months. And, you know, all of a sudden now the, the fed is like last month saying, Oh yeah. Like, you know, the CPI went up 4%, big deal. And everyone's like, no, like, you know, it's not a big deal. All these like, you know, 
massive government you know entities are saying it's not, it's not a big deal. But year over year, you have a four percent increase. That's higher inflation than what you got going on down here in South America. You, you, this is. I'm going to throw out a challenge here. You are accepting that this is the way it is, and I have to make more money. Do you know what I do, Alex? And I've done for the last two years. I no longer accept the price of anything. I decide how much I want to pay for it, and then I go out and try to find that because I've lowered my expectations to give myself more opportunities. I just bought 10 acres of land in Western Massachusetts, two and a half hours west of Boston, three and a half hours north of New York City. Lots of cool entrepreneurs, artist types. Most people yeah. be like, oh my God, that must be like half a million dollars, million dollars. I spent $51,000. Yeah, I believe it. Wow. Because if you want to find good deals, they are there. But most people, again, we want to give into the pleasure parts of our brain and the status quo. So we feel like we have to constantly be making more and more and more money. But if more and more of us said no, and that's the thing, all of this is made up. It's all a freaking story. You don't have <laughs> to believe in it just because everybody else believes in it doesn't mean that you have to believe in it. And as long as we keep believing in it, we are going to be lulled into this idea that we have to buy more. We have to pay more. This is just the way it is. They can't stand when people say, I'm just lucky enough to have a job. That's how little you think of yourself. Nobody <laughs> should ever just be lucky to have enough to have a job. You're better than that. Yeah. Mm. I, I agree with that. I, I love how um, get me when, fired when, up, you when, too. <laughs> I know you're getting all fired up. I, I love how when when Alex and I started Simple Fiscal, I, I've been so in the weeds with like very niche topics, like what is an S corp election, what are the different types of life insurance, and then Steve, and then I'm like, okay, Steve, what, what which of these things do we need to teach young entrepreneurs? And this first thing is like, we need to first have a healthy mindset around money and why you're going after it and how much you need. It was, it's, I did not think that I was thinking like, Oh, maybe it's going to be like budgeting or, or something. Oh, it always goes, <laughs> because everybody when it comes to business, we always go tactical. It's all. Yes. That's what I meant. Mindset. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where it, when I, when you start talking about it, then you can look at all these different things. Now I agree with Alex. There's diff very different scenarios where you definitely want to understand your insurance options. Currently, mm -hmm. I'm divorced. I have no children. I cashed in my life insurance policy. I got enough money if like I die before my parents, and my sisters, plenty of money to go bury my butt, whatever they're going to do with me. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it's not at this point in my time in my life necessary for me to mm -hmm. be spending money on life insurance. Now, if you have you're in Declan shoes and that sort of thing, that makes sense. You know, yep. there, there's all these different scenarios. So that's where we have to really teach people how to understand their needs and their values too, of what mm -hmm. you really want to spend on. Like I just bought a car because now I'm living a rural life. I've been living in cities for the last two decades and I did not buy a brand new car. I could, but I didn't. I bought a 10 year old Subaru Forester and I wanted it less than 75,000 miles. I found one for 71, one owner, but most people don't think like this. They got to have the brand new car. You got it. And then people get leases. It's like, Oh. oh my gosh it's just transportation people <laughs> so what so getting into this tactical do going back i mean you've been doing this for two decades now self-employment that is going back two decades what were some of those tactical things that benefited you in those in those early years of self-employment the very first book i read was mm -hmm. rich dad poor dad i'm sure you've talked about that book on this podcast before 
We will. <laughs> and haven't yet, that, but it's on And the, that it's on was the, the idea, really this decoupling is this like income versus spending where he kind of points it out. Most people, because they're absorbed with status symbols and, and where it's funny, even I'm going to mispronounce his name, uh, the, a French writer, Alex de, Co de Coqueville um, in the 1840s wrote a book about his impressions of America. And he said he couldn't believe the obsession Americans had with material well-being. Oh man, I'd love to bring that guy back. If he thought it was bad in the 1840s, he has no idea what it's like. <laughs> so I think, um, bring me back. I just lost my train of thought. Oh, we're, we're talking about the, the, the tactical things yes. uh, early on in, in self-employment. So, so reading that book, I just starting to realize immediately, like within the first year of being laid off, I, I had $5,000 in credit card debt. Never had credit card debt again. It was like, no mm -hmm. way. Um, I've learned to like calculate and understand how much I needed to live my lifestyle. And then could I make any deductions if I wanted to like save more for other things? And that's how I eventually developed our lifestyle calculator. Mm -hmm. um, because I want people to understand how much money do you really need? Mm -hmm. Because again, if you can satisfy your money needs working only 20 hours a week, why wouldn't you just work 20 hours a week? Mm -hmm. And actually the, the amount that we work now is actually an anomaly in human history. And that's the other thing we have to kind of question ourselves, why are we all stressed out and puffing mm -hmm. so off like Pez and loneliness epidemic and all the other stuff. And we all this great inventions. Well, it's not showing up in the numbers. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to, so again, it's like calculating. I think that's the greatest lesson I learned is like, what is enough? Mm -hmm. What is the number? I could achieve to feel okay because that's where most people feel like I always I'm dealing with people their mindset is I don't feel enough and yeah, I ask them they why. put a number to yep right and you know you you mentioned kind of like working a lot and and, and talking about a lot of money but like I think also one of the big things I, I think Declan can relate to this I can definitely can you speak for this on my own but when you're first getting started running a business you don't know what to charge because you're not confident in your abilities Right. And that's probably one of the biggest issues with anybody starting a business is like, oh, yeah, I'll charge 20 bucks an hour because that's what I was making in my nine to five job. I was making 20 bucks an hour, you know, whatever. And then you realize, oh, crap, I have social, uh, the self-employment tax. I have state income tax. I have federal tax. I have other taxes going on. And all of a sudden that $20 an hour becomes 10 bucks an hour. And, you know, when and maybe Stephen, you can maybe kind of help me give an example of where this might be beneficial for somebody that's just listening, but they're just getting started because well, it's not healthy. It's, it's, calculator. Well, it's not healthy to work 40 hours, you know, 40, 50, 60, 80 hours a week. Right. You know, depending on their lifestyle or their wants and needs, but like, what if somebody's just getting started and they're not confident in their abilities to charge what they think that they're worth, but which then causes them to work 80 hours a week. If that, if that kind of follows that logic. I, I, classic. Uh, yeah, conundrum of freelancers, particularly people in creative fields. So then, have, how can you I, fix I have, I have that? How can you realize that, and then how can you get out of it? I have a formula for that, but in the lifestyle calculator, part of it usually it's only focused on money. But we actually have a section on the first tab that focuses on the impact on your time, and that way, when you do come up with your dollar amount, especially the folks that we're dealing with, you're going to start in a self-employed concept anyway before you move on to a full-on solopreneur anyway. Absolutely. And most people only charge for their deliverable, the, what they actually worked on for their client. Mm -hmm. So by my research, my experience, very conservatively, 
the total amount of time that you're, do, you're working on your deliverable for your clients about 25%. So that means that hourly rate that you're charging for that client of what you think it is, you got to increase it by 75% because you got to pay for new things that you're learning. You got to pay for your accountant. You got to, um, you have to pay for um, meeting new people and outreach, going to conferences. The other thing that people also don't do for themselves back to the imposter syndrome is we have factored in across all industries very conservatively a 1% increase in that hourly rate for every year of experience that you have because people undervalue what they already know. And is so that compounded are, or is that just like a simple calculation? Just a simple calculation. Just again, it's a starting point so people can start pulling these different ingredients together just from their own perspective about, oh, because we deal with a lot of, I call them heart-centered folks. And they're like, right. I could never imagine charging $75 an hour. I only want to charge 40. <laughs> like, great, put 40 in there. And then the calculation is like, oh my gosh, I should be charging $110. And then, and I'm like, look how many hours a week you have to work to get that. They're like, I have to work 60 hours a week at that rate to hit my number. And they're like, why do you, why do you put 20 bucks on that hundred to put it up to 130? And then they can start to see the impact on their time because mm -hmm. that's what the people I'm working with really want. They want to know, how do I do my job? I like my job but I want to do it in a way that I'm not getting burned out when I get paid my work. So the numbers, as you know, Alex, they don't lie. They really start. And all of a sudden people who are dead set against ever charging $200 an hour through calculations, I've given the comps to do so. Another kind of framework I give people when you're starting out for the very first time, the simplest business you can start is doing something you already know for people, you know, that was my last business. I came out of the broadcast mm -hmm. industry. I knew a lot about digital marketing. So I teach them. I started teaching broadcasters about digital advertising and marketing. Did something I knew for people I knew. So when you're starting out, do three case studies. Free, if you could do something for a low cost, start that way. So you do three case studies. What I mean by that is you're, you're telling your client, like you're gonna be one of the first people I've ever working with on this, but I really wanna document the whole pro uh, process to really like hit it out of the park for you, but also so you understand how you're gonna start running your business and what are the kinks that you need to get out. And so it also demonstrates the value to them directly. Absolutely. absolutely. And because your best, I always say your best salespeople are your best customers. So that's the other thing. You want to get testimonials out of these three first right. case studies and document. And so people see how you work, what people said, uh, said about you, how, what it was like to work with you. Then you look at your first five customers. That's where you're going to charge your first rate. You do that lifestyle calculation. So you're not charging 50 bucks. You're charging something that is going to compensate you for your experience and all the work you're putting into your business. Right. And then you see how that goes. And then after the next, for the next you know, six to 10 customers, increase your rate again. And you keep doing this. So that way you feel it, it kind of ties your experience and your confidence. As that increases, you're going to feel more confident about charging more. But also um, when you're working with clients, they feel like they're getting a deal and they're really, this is generally how I've priced everything I've ever done. And it works. So then I feel good about it. Money's coming in. And then every time I raise my rates, people keep paying more and more because I got better and better at what I was delivering. And it really lined up with the value that I was, that I was charging. So that's the kind of like the little curve that I recommend to people. To like, so that way you're never stuck in this like trapped in imposter syndrome. You get paid $25 an hour forever. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Thanks. So I, I want to, uh, I, I have one more question and I, I know I sent you the questions ahead of time. So this it's a, it's a hypothetical question, but I think it's going to segue nicely into, uh, your, uh, summer program, which I, I want you to talk about too. 
So let's let's imagine that this hypothetical situations, you know, the government, US government has now passed a law saying all students need a 13th year of school. And it's all focused on real world prep. We don't, it, whatever, however you take that. Mm-hmm. They've asked you, Stephen, <laughs> to come up with the curriculum for this final year of school. What are your top five classes? President Biden, are you listening? <laughs> are you listening? <laughs> I'm also homeschooling my kids, so this I, I can I take that. this and maybe and maybe run with it. So <laughs> I love that, and I I also think when I wait to the 13th year, I think this is what I'm proposing oh, yeah. here should be the bedrock of our education system. Yes. And the way that we okay. teach people math every single year, these are mm-hmm. the subjects I want to teach: mind management. It. Okay. Oh my gosh, you have to understand your brain as an organ, and that it has needs outside of you. And that you that you think you are is your ego and it has its own agenda and issues. Yes. And then there's this you as this other being of like what you really want. It's kind of like that inner voice that every time somebody says something to you or you want to do something, you're like, God, I really want to do that, but I can't, I'm, I'm not supposed to. Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing I'm always encouraging people to do. And just how to like meditate and how to settle yourself down, how not to be so reactive, how not to take things personally. Mm-hmm. So mind management. Mind management. Self-awareness, most important life yeah. skill. Uh, personal finance. Yep. Now I'm preaching to the comfort awesome. around that. Uh, personal health. I mean, you have to be, health is just like finance is getting so complicated that we now sadly live in a society where we have a chunk of people who are deathly afraid um, are not in isolation, making an informed decision about getting a vaccine from COVID. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are basing it based on very, very shady information. We mm-hmm. cannot have this in society. I want people to make decisions for their own health, but based and rooted in science. Yes. Not yes. I agree. Um, and then human collaboration. Ooh. You have to, you're going to, you're human and you're not going to be a hermit. Most likely you have to learn <laughs> how to deal with other humans. And I get, I'm very afraid of this now, especially the younger generation after the pandemic, they were already spending so much time on the loan. And like, this just almost like made it acceptable Mm-hmm. Um, so really, how do you work with those people? How do you, how do you listen? How do you talk? How do you read body languages? How do you collaborate and work with other humans? And finally, self-directed learning. Mm. As I always tell people, the um, soft skills are more durable than hard skills. Um, in 2013, the US Census Bureau came out with data showing that 65%, and this is seven, what, this is eight years ago now, 65% of babies born at that year were going to be entering occupations that had not yet been invented. So it does it's like, we need some basics, but I, you know, like I can't pass a trigonometry test or a physics exam right now. You know, I wish there were other things that I had. And I think it is changing. It depends on the school district you're in. Things are changing, allowing our kids to explore because that's really what we need to be encouraging our kids to do is like try as many things as you want. Cause that's how you learn about yourself. That's how you learn how to work with others. And that's how you find out what you really are good at. That really motivates you because I have a naive idea that I believe everybody should be get, should be paid for just being themselves. We live in a society where we feel like we have to be something other than ourselves. That is the worst use of our personal energy. It takes less energy to be yourself. And at the same time, you put out a higher energy vibe. So you attract people who are the most into you. Ooh, that is so good. I wrote all of these down. My, I, I have to figure out my, my, my oldest is going into first grade. So I, I'm just going to scrap. Hey, what we're doing. Rewrite, rewrite the entire first grade right now. Yes. Ha- ha- happy to, happy to help. I mean, yeah. I mean, 
I asked him, uh, one of my mother's oldest friends was an educator in Florida, high up in the state system. And I said, so what do you think they should start teaching self-awareness? She said, kindergarten? <laughs> Never too early. Uh, yeah. Love it. No, I mean, so, mental, the, like the whole mental space is just, you know, like uh, it, it ties in perfectly learn. to the entire topic of what we've been talking about because there was a period of time that I went hardcore into meditation because I was dealing with a lot of chronic health issues at the time. And that alone solved 90% plus of the health issues that I was facing at the time. Not None of them which were quote unquote mental issues, but like there were other like physiological issues that were health issues that were, that were uh, showing its ugly head, if you will. But like just through being aware and being present in the space that I was and meditating that took almost 90% of the issues away, right? Just like in a month. Yeah. And, and I, I had to people, go to the pharmacy. Like, when you, I, I'm like, I believe in meditating. And I was sending some people listening about your walls went up. You're like, I'm trying to meditate. It doesn't work. But I, another way I like to call it is just settle down your mind, whatever. If there's an activity that takes your mind off of anything that's bugging you do that. The first time I experienced that was downhill skiing long before I was, became a meditator. So that's another way to look at it. So let's, awesome. let's kind of wrap things up. Um, segueing from uh, this 13th year of schooling to uh, this summer startup program that you're running this year. Um, you're working with teens who are interested, who are entrepreneurial in spirit. Tell us, tell us and, and the listeners uh, a little bit more about it. It's uh, called Summer Startup. You can get more information at lifeskillsatmatter.com slash summer startup. And I've been doing, running Accelerate, helping adults uh, start their own business the last couple of years now. And I've had a lot of them say like, you really should be doing this with teenagers. <laughs> so after a while and all the things that we've heard about, like the, the, the dire circumstances a lot of teens went through and lived through in last year, I said, all right, it's time to do it. And I want to help teenagers start a business this summer. I think there's a lot of great entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship programs out there for teenagers, but I find many of them way overpriced. Mm -hmm. And I find them to be very theoretical and taught in a very conventional way. What's wrong with starting a babysitting business or landscaping business? You don't have to go save the world just yet. You know, you know, just <laughs> go learn how to ask people for money, you know, get yeah. money in your pocket right now. That's a very powerful experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's actually that, what I did when I was a teenager. I, I ran a, 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 a lawn care business out of the back of my Honda Civic. That was a coupon to Civic. The car that, smelled like gasoline and cut grass. But my <laughs> girlfriend at the time was like, Hey, like your car smells really bad. I'm like, sorry. Like, but we have money to go on a date on Friday night. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> and that's my other little secret. Anyway, when you start to hire people for your business, I don't know if either of you do this, but I always ask, how old were you when you had your first job or you got, you got paid the first time. And for me, when people say like 15, 14 around there, mm -hmm. it would take a year, then I'm listening. If you didn't have your first making income after 20 years old, it's a whole other ball game for me. It's I've yeah. just seen like the work ethic is just different. The mindset's different. Um, that is not true for everybody. I don't want to make a generalization, but I just a kind of a broad general life experience for myself. But it's interesting that you say that because I've actually, I have two younger brothers and only one of my younger brothers worked in a fast food joint. Like I did, or had a first job at 15 or 16. And because in Florida, you can work when you're 15. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was like, we both worked in really hard laborious quote, quote, laborious jobs, right? Like in the fast food industry, you're working a lot of crazy hours versus one of my other brothers who I, you know, I, I don't judge any of them, but like he had a pretty easy time in terms of jobs early on in his career. So it's kind of interesting to kind of see that 
um, dichotomy, if you will. And even to the point where that, uh, that brother, that also had a job of mine, a job like, like I did when I was 15 working in, in the food service industry also has entrepreneurial tendencies as well. Like he's off trying to make his own money on top of what he's already doing. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, when you like, I, one of my jobs in college, I worked in a perfume factory, you know what I mean? I still do not like to smell perfume or cologne. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I think you have that experience. So I, we want to teach people when we put money in their pocket, but we want to come them to come up with a very simple one page business plan because um, we would like them to make money, but we also want to remind them they're on their own journey. There's different types of businesses. Some want to, you know, start YouTube channels. Some want to actually do a babysitting business. So we're going to let, teach them like there's, we want to ask them a lot of questions instead of telling them how to do this. We really want them to understand that. And we want them to take away some life skills that hopefully it's an opportunity. So they learn how to actually talk to each other. We're actually going to have, we meet three times a week. Um, one of the sessions is a mastermind. We'll break, break them down to groups of four to five. So I can't wait just to be able to find them all and listen to teenagers four to five, four or five of them talking about not school, not video games, not like social things, but this other thing of like, what do they really want to do? And just just guide the conversation. That's going to be a big part of it because we want them to realize they actually have a lot more answers than they, than they, than they realize already at this point in their life. Awesome. So it's a, it's a four week, uh, it's four weeks starts this June, June um, 7th. June 7th. So some time to, to sign up. Um, yeah. I, thanks again, Steve, for, for coming on and giving us kind of this, uh, a, a, I would say a very good reminder for why we do what we do. Um, it's not just about the money. There's, there's so much more behind it. And I, I'm, I'm glad you're here to give us that, that reminder. Well, thank you for, um, you pressed all my passion buttons. Very good job. <laughs> That's think. what we're here to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I fired up and I just can't, you know, I think that's, I, I want everybody to feel like this. It's not that you got to put out your passion in there. You got to just let people know because we have, we're living through, as Alex said, before we started recording, we're living through very interesting times and we really re- need to rewrite some of the stories that just no longer are serving any of us. Mm-hmm. In, in the world, in our country, in your home state, your town, wherever the heck you live, or your own life. And uh, why not write a new story? Love it. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. Hey, thank you, Stephen. Really appreciate you hopping on here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank Take you. care.